My name's Tim Buckley, I'm vicar here in the parish looking after St Matthew's and St Thomas of Becket. And before we get into our service and continue in our series of wilderness wanderings as we look at the life of Moses and the people of God wandering in the desert, I thought it'd be really good to do some Whitcomb wanderings and to get to know some of the people in our parish. So over the next few weeks, as I wander around, I'm going to be chatting to people live and on Zoom to interview them, to hear their stories of their wanderings with God through life, to get to know them and understand more of their journey with God. Twenty-five years, but I was in Bath before, in eighty-five to ninety-one. Nineteen eighty-five, not eight. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Nineteen eighty-five, yes, to ninety-one. So I say, Malcolm, we moved because he was at the MOG, moved because of his job, and uh, he was there for a bit, and then went to Andover. So I was on my own for a bit, and then I went to Bath Spa. I did. Uh, an arts degree, but with specialisms on music. So I did um, the piano performance, composition. I started at 56 with a lot of 18 years. Well, it was actually, I was having such a good time away, I'd forgotten that I was a bit too old for the Students' Union. <laughs> so I had to remember that I wasn't quite the same age, actually. I learnt a lot from them, too. Very, very wise, some of them. Very wise. But it was difficult being mature. So were you one of the only mature students on it? Or? Yeah. How did your connection with St Thomas of Becket begin? Oh, well, that was interesting because we lived here and because um, I'd been to Hazemere Church and I was in the church choir there um, and I thought it just seemed right to go to church, you know. So, And also my um, grandfather was a vicar and my mother was very much into church. So. So I looked around, I tried the churches out, of course, and I went to St. Thomas's. Um, it was nice intimate and friendly, but I really got to know them yeah. through the um, choir. I guess for you, when Malcolm died, how long ago was that now? 2012. For, for you, that was obviously a really difficult thing, wasn't it? Suddenly Very being married, because how many, many years had you been married? Uh, how many, 43? Wow. Yeah. Mm. So the church was helpful, and your faith with God in that time was yes, helpful. Yes, they were, they were wonderful, and what's more, they, I remember them saying D in particular, and they said any time, phone, etc., etc., uh, you know, come and stay with us, or, or, or we're praying for you, and you could feel everybody praying for me at the time, uh, and people were extremely kind. Yeah, the church was fantastic, absolutely fantastic altogether. So do you feel that faith and church is still really important for people today? I do actually. It is because if, if you sort of believe, it gives you sort of comfort, I think, certain really certain things. With two churches, very, very different. With very different ways of looking at things as well. Yeah, the other, uh, St Matt's as well, I'm, I was really very struck by St Matt's. Very kind. Several people were very, very kind to me as well. Um, very friendly, which is lovely. And also, I've been very lucky in our vicars, actually. And particularly for Tim. 
The first reading is from Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 17 to 26 and 31 to 33. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendour is gone and all that I had hoped from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. For no one is cast off by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he will show compassion. So great is his unfailing love, for he does not willingly bring affliction or grief to anyone. The second reading is from John 6, verses 37 to 40. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. We are continuing our series exploring how we follow God in the wilderness. As individuals, we each face wilderness seasons at some point in our lives, the dark night of the soul, some call it. Some of you may be able to look back and recall such an experience. Some may be living through a personal wilderness right now. Whilst recognising individual variation, we observe that globally, creation and humanity are collectively in a wilderness season. What is unifying is that we do not emerge from wilderness the same as we enter. Change occurs, whether for good or bad, whether wittingly or not. And recognising that change happens is necessary. It is my prayer that whatever your circumstance, that this season of us unashamedly looking into the darker, harder times of life will build up and equip us for whatever the future may hold. Sometimes we find ourselves in the wilderness because we step out in faith to uncharted territory, from Egypt towards a promise, as it were. We've been tracking with the Israelites through their experiences on the journey of faith. Sometimes wilderness is thrust upon us from a broken world and hurting people. 
like the pain and disorientation of bereavement that we remember this weekend. Sometimes, like today's wilderness experience in Lamentations, it is the effect of us wandering away from the holy way of God when we find ourselves outside the blessings of the promise, oppressed by the world once again. Today's glimpse of God's people suffering in the wilderness is jumping us out of the Sinai desert and into a different time and place. We pick up their story after generations of God's people have been settled in the promised land, built homes, become established. They're not wandering in the desert waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. They've tasted and seen the goodness of the promise. In the desert wilderness, they had set up temporary meeting places, tabernacles for the Lord's presence to visit them. Once settled in the promised land, their beloved city of God, Jerusalem, became the permanent dwelling of God amongst his people, the place of promises fulfilled. So if they're living the dream, why the book of Lamentations? This time, God's people are in exile. As a consequence of their unfaithfulness to God, the, their promised land had been invaded and the people carried off into exile in Babylon. Now, the dark night of the soul has been imposed, forced upon them by the work of an enemy invasion and power struggle, slaves in a foreign land once again. In their exile, we hear the heart-wrenching lament as they recall the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, the crushing of the sign of the promise, the joy of their salvation quashed. Lamenting is not a common word for us today. A lament is a passionate expression of grief, of intense sorrow, often with loud wailing and mournful songs. Grief is an outworking of love. God is love, and so God grieves. God laments. The Book of Lamentations is an eloquent expression of grief that helped the survivors come to terms with the calamity they had experienced. This message has continued to reverberate through subsequent ages and is able to encompass the sorrows of the world. I've recently reread all five poems and they are beautiful yet agonizing to read. We learn from them that God does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone or allow such things. His lament over injustice, sickness and death is far greater than that of all humankind combined. When we lament in prayer, we're not telling God something that he is remote from him, but we're entering into sharing his passion, his self-sacrifice for the world he loves. One of my frequent prayers is simply, Jesus, teach me how to pray. If any of you've really tried it, you may have noticed praying can be hard. This season, I'm especially asking Jesus to teach me how to lament in prayer. Often in Western Christianity, we've overplayed the desire to be polite, reserved, devoid of emotion in prayer. We've made prayer, prayer frightfully beige, and it's done a disservice to ourselves, to the world around us, and even to God. 
for us to pray in spirit and truth. There will be times of travailing, of letting our hearts ache and break for what weighs on the heart of God himself. Times to grieve for injustices and suffering in others, to weep, to wail. And how do we lament? I haven't mastered it, but I'm starting with using some classic psalms of lament, like Psalms 22, 44, 60 and 80, 88. I'm bringing a person or a situation before God and using the words of one of these psalms, crying out to God for restoration and reconciliation. You could try writing your own psalm of lament. The book of Lamentations is five chapters or poems. Right at the heart of this book are the evocative words we heard today that lift our gaze from the pain, sackcloth and ashes. This is key for us to hear. Please hear this. We are called to join with God in lamenting, but as a people of hope, a people called into the promise of fullness of life. The heartbeat of the lamentation is one of hope and enjoyment of the goodness of God. Without hope, we would become hopeless and unable to bear the heartache of entering the valley of the shadow of death. Our soul bowed down within us. With our good shepherd, the one who is our sure and certain hope, we can be led through in the way of his self-sacrificing passion for others. We are reminded to call to mind in the heart of every prayer, every pain, these everlasting truths about our good shepherd God. His love is steadfast and never ceases. That is, God's love is strong, unwavering, consistent and everlasting. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. God's mercy is not rationed. It is fresh and always available. God's faithfulness is great. Great as as is mighty and powerful, majestic and glorious. He is faithful to his own hope for reconciliation, restoration and redemption. In the heart of our lamenting, we must be a people holding on to hope based on who our God is, steadfast in love, merciful and faithful. Jesus, of course, is our perfect example, one who laments over Jerusalem, who is our living hope and embodies this steadfast love, mercy and faithfulness. I suggest wilderness changes people and how we respond to wilderness can change the outcome for us and for our community, as we see in the book of Lamentations. We are children of the promised land, rooted and established in God's faithful love. So as we give ourselves to the loving act of lamenting, we must always hold on to hope. 
I will end with reading Psalm 126, the words of rejoicing. When the people saw the fruit of their lamenting, they saw the restoration of God's promise as they returned to Jerusalem and anticipated future restoration. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaths. Let it be so. Amen. Let us pray. As I say, Lord, in your unending mercy, you reply, hear our prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank and praise you for revealing God's good shepherding to us. We are humbled and enjoy your grace of walking with us through the valley of the shadow of death. We thank you that you do not willingly watch suffering but are never distant or disinterested. How we marvel at your goodness and praise you, our Lord and Good Shepherd. Lord Jesus, graciously teach us how to pray. Good Shepherd, teach us how to lament with hope. Lord, in your unending mercy, hear our prayer. On this All Saints Day, we recall those well-known saints of our faith who have partnered with God in self-sacrificial ways. We thank you, Lord, for their inspirational examples to us, in particular that of St. Matthew and St. Thomas a Becket. We also call to mind the everyday saints of our faith journey, those people who inspired us to follow Jesus, those people who taught us to pray and serve him as Lord. In a moment of quiet, let us give thanks for those people God has used to help us on our way. Lord, in your unending mercy, hear our prayer. For those in our families, our communities, our leaders and across the world who do not yet believe Jesus is the Son of God, we humbly ask for your mercy for them. For where we have not been faithful witnesses to the hope we hold, have mercy on us. We thank you, God, that your love is steadfast, mercies are endless and fresh every morning. And we pray 
that your love may be more widely known through our families, communities and the world. Lord, in your unending mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the restoration of peace to Jerusalem. We bless Jerusalem with the knowledge of the love of God for all people. For leaders and diplomats, we implore you, God, for wisdom and humility in negotiations. For the work of the Red Cross in Gaza and other troubled areas in the Holy Land, we pray for your protection and provision. Lord, in your unending mercy, hear our prayer. At this time of year, we particularly remember those we have loved and lost. We give you thanks, God, for the relationships we have enjoyed and pray that you will comfort all those who are grieving at this time. A moment to name people who are grieving before God. Lord, we thank you for your comfort for them. Lord, in your unending mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, grant that we may see you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen.